Welcome to T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. Your host is Jose Negron. We take the guesswork out of technological jargon so that you know what's next, why it's great or not so great, and how you can benefit from it by learning about it early. Now, here is Jose Negron. Welcome, folks. This is your host, Jose Negron, on voiceamerica.com on the Variety Channel, hosting the leading technology show, T3, Today, Tomorrow's Technologies, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and of course, noon East Coast time. I'd like to thank my audience. If you need to listen to other podcasts, that we've done several shows on space, uh, I'd like for you to turn to Voice America. Dot com and go to the Variety Channel, look us up at T3. First of all, I'd like to thank the audience out there, uh, both the uh, U.S. audience and international audience. We continue to grow, and it's always remarkable how many countries are listening to us, and then also how many people from the various states are listening to the T3 program. As a reminder for those uh, new audience members who are joining for the first time, T3 program tries to integrate a scientific engineering and innovators discussion uh, with the non-techie so that the uh, discussion is informative and it changes your way of life or provides you an understanding of the new technology innovation and other topics that we'll talk about. Uh, to keep our audience involved in the T3 show, please join us at 866-472-5788 or you can send your questions to Today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. I'm excited today because it's a subject that uh, continues to grow. We've had lots of uh, opportunities in 2020, and 2020 really becomes a year for space. So the topic today is why U.S. and global activities are expanding into space. In the last four months, uh, we've really talked a little bit about uh, space, the challenges in space, uh, the space frontier, and and today we'll continue our discussions on that. And I'm very proud to uh, say that some of the uh, topics that we talked about in the previous uh, segments have really come to light over the last few months here. And I'd just like to tell our audience, if you want to listen more to the space programs, I've had uh, shows on uh, – uh, on March 17th, returning to the moon and Mars. Uh, on March 10th, space robots. On February 17th, uh, space, the next frontier. On February 11th, uh, space, why return to the moon? So the, uh, And then finally, uh, on November 5th, uh, 2019, how important is space? And of course, our topic today is why U.S. and global activities are expanding into space. It is critical for us to really understand that. Uh, but more importantly, I've asked a, a key individual to join me today, uh, Mr. Bruce uh, Hawks Abbott, to discuss uh, how the U.S. and the world space communities are responding to the challenges of space exploration. Uh, from a space perspective, uh, NASA, the, uh, the various uh, space community, the Europeans, the Russians, the Indians, uh, everyone is looking at a vigorous uh, space launch. In fact, there's four launches in, in the summer here to go to uh, Mars and the moon and so forth, and, and it'll be a, an exciting time. But uh, more importantly, Hawks uh, Abbott is... Uh, We'll discuss space activities with me. Uh, most of you know Hawks. Uh, he's been a frequent guest. He's a Navy aviator, aviator worked at NASA for many years. He, uh, to me, he's a leading space expert in space activities, uh, understanding space challenges, and so forth. So, Hawks, welcome to the show. 
uh, why U.S. and global activities are expanding in the space. And before we get started, Hawks, let's just start from the very beginning. Uh, give me some of your predictions on where we're going 2020 in space and how, how important is space to us? Well, it's, it, it, it's the new frontier, and I thank you for having me again uh, to discuss these various things that are associated with space and going to space and to our solar system and habitating our solar system uh, as the human race uh, populates our home planet and then goes outward. You know, uh, Hawks, it's critical as I sit here and read uh, the various press releases uh, from NASA, uh, and they even admit there's four new missions to the Red Planet this year, and uh, it's important to know that there's two other missions going to asteroids, and the president just signed the uh, a bill here short uh, recently giving us, uh, you know, kind of a space directive to go land at, uh, at Mars uh, and the moon, but more importantly, to mine uh, the water and the minerals there. So how does that change, or how is that, to me, that's just exciting more than anything else, but how does that change the way we view space now? Well, it completely changes everything. Uh, there are uh, 16 new missions that, uh, uh, or I should say, 16 new payloads that have been commissioned by NASA uh, for uh, different experiments on the moon, for example. Um, they, they are going to be robotic landers on the moon, and they're going to map out where the best places are to um, get water, to get other elements that are needed in providing propellant activity development on the moon so that we can... Uh, go from lunar orbit, uh, one-sixth the cost of getting the uh, materials to orbit and, and uh, build them appropriately so they can use them as propellant to go further into the solar system. Um, these things uh, that uh, are step-by-step step have been understood for some time by NASA, and they're finally getting around to actually... Um, establishing specific uh, missions to the moon uh, as we want to go further into the solar system. Another thing that has uh, uh, been interesting of late is the identification, and I've mentioned this before on your show, about a uh, upcoming 2022 mission that is called the Psyche mission. Uh, it's about an asteroid called uh, Psyche 16, which is so much composed of rare earth metals that it would make everybody on, their, on Earth a billionaire. There is so much of it composed in one space rock. Wow, that's pretty amazing. You know, as I look back through the calendar a little bit, you know, we've got, uh, of course, we've got uh, the upcoming Earth Day 
on the 22nd. But more importantly, I'm looking at the calendar uh, on April 16th. Uh, the SpaceX uh, Falcon 9 rocket will launch the sixth batch of approximately 60 satellites into space. And they're looking at building a constellation of 700 satellites. So that's that's to improve the Internet access in space, uh, provide broadband, of course, for the lower Earth orbit. Also, the uh, uh, the on the 15th, tomorrow, uh, you have an exchange in the uh, International Space Station from, uh, from the Russian commander, Oleg uh, uh, Skripkov. Cola to Chris uh, Cassidy uh, taking charge, and it's the 63rd expedition, and the ceremony will take place tomorrow. And for those of you who want to stream into that uh, particular ceremony, you can from the NASA uh, website. So just be aware of that. But more importantly, as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, this is going to be an exciting year, 2020. Uh, we're talking about the subject of why U.S. and global activities are expanding into, into space. Most of it, as uh, Hawks alluded to, is because of the minerals. But uh, in order to really get prepared, and I think it's really important, I mean, I'd look at the 63rd transition of the International Space uh, Command and the preparation that we've done in the international space. These uh, experiments, this testing, uh, living on the space, International Space uh, Station is critical for our adventure. So let's talk a little bit now, uh, Hawks, about what do we need to do to continue to get ready? Because in previous programs, we talked about uh, technology transfer. We talked about dual use. We talked about propulsion systems and medical uh, systems and, and other, uh, you know, quality of life and, and crew capsules for the long duration. I mean, it's a three-day journey to the moon, but it's a three-year journey to Mars. And the and the president executive order just signed it, uh, giving uh, um, or granting the exclusive permission for space companies to go mine both uh, well, the moon, Mars, and other asteroids. It's, it's critical. So let's talk a little bit about what are the, uh, some of the mutually supportive thrust of our space community in, in order to enjoy today's lifestyle, I guess. The interesting question uh, that has all been based on uh, as we go back to 1962 at uh, Rice University in September of 62, President Kennedy laid the challenge before the uh, American people to go to the moon. And uh, even before that, in 1951, Werner von Braun and a space artist, Chesley Bonestell, uh, predicted a future in space with... Uh, a reusable launch vehicle, a space telescope, and a space station. And guess what? It happened. You know, we, we developed the space shuttle in, in uh, April of 81. Um, we had the Hubble Space Telescope uh, launched in 1990. And uh, continuous operation of the International Space Station started in uh, November of 1998. And we will soon be, this year, uh, celebrating the 20th year of continuous operation uh, of that uh, International Space Station. And to get back to your uh, effort of all the medical and scientific experimentation that has been performed, not only on special modules of the shuttle during 
the year since 1981 and to 2011. But the uh, later operations aboard ISS uh, that started in 98 have developed many, many new um, uh, experiments that dealt with the continual habitation of humans in space. Uh, not only could it be uh, feasible to transport that knowledge set from ISS to uh, lunar habitation and to uh, eventually Mars habitation as we move out from, uh, from Earth, but all that experimentation during this last 20 years has supported what we need to know to safely go uh, into the solar system. One of the things that I caution everybody, and at least NASA comes back to, is really the five hazards of human spaceflight. Uh, the number one issue, of course, is radiation. It's a kind of a silent, invisible to the human eye is space radiation, and it is uh, it's deadly. It's it's stealthy and something that we need to be aware of. The other uh, uh, hazards are isolation and confinement. I know that uh, both uh, Boeing and SpaceX are working on their capsules to launch. Uh, astronauts uh, hopefully this year uh, into space and return uh, but the uh, just confinement I, I started looking at uh, you know who goes up there because if you take a uh, three-day trip uh, to moon to the moon and back uh, okay I can do that but if I take a three-year trip to Mars uh, that's a long time to be in a in a, in a capsule with uh, somebody that gets irritated so human behavior becomes an interesting factor on that the uh, the other one is the distance as I said uh, you can turn around headed to the moon and get back to earth in a reasonable amount of time if you had an emergency but if you're halfway to Mars uh, decisions become more critical do you continue you on on the mission or do you return and then of course the lack of gravity impacts human and that's uh, really the fourth hazards and we've been studying all these things these are not new and of course the uh, hostile environment uh, the real critical thing that I think we need to do is how do we prolong life on on the moon which is the stepping stone to Mars and learn how to live in that climate uh, so that it's continuous and one of the I issues that we have is to return um, really humans back to the to the moon in fact I, I believe uh, the first mission will be a female astronaut and a male astronaut uh, it will be the second time a male astronaut uh, lands on the moon the first time for a female to land on the moon but just to live together on the moon and make it a habitat so that well the lessons learned there are then transferred to Mars as we go on any comments on that and those activities there Hawks well, once again, it's a, as you noted, it's a stepping stone to go to Mars. But everything that we've learned on ISS and earlier labs, such as the uh, Russian Mir and uh, U.S. Skylab, uh, we learned certain things about how the human body responds to the uh, microgravity in orbit and uh, uh, the, the space vacuum. Um, that is out there and how, how we have to uh, uh, protect ourselves. As you know, the uh, EVA suits, uh, the extravehicular activity suits that all astronauts wear outside the uh, spacecraft uh, are essentially another spacecraft uh, unto themselves to keep that 
uh, astronaut, cosmonaut, taikonaut safe and able to do their job. Um, applying all the things that we've learned medically and uh, how the body responds to living in a, 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 a partial vacuum to a full vacuum uh, and in microgravity uh, has been a learning experience. Uh, uh, just last, uh, the last few shuttle flights, there were concerns about uh, uh, water tubes inside the EVA suit that uh, did not function correctly, even though we have been using suits uh, since the beginning of, of uh, all the Mercury, Gemini, Apollo programs, and of course the Soyuz programs from the Russians. And uh, we, we've learned all those technical pieces uh, to keep safe uh, for right now, including anybody that was on ISS in the last 20 years that had to do all these hours of a physical exercise to keep their bodies up, uh, uh, prepared to do jobs uh, in orbit or on the surface of the moon or in preparation for the surface of uh, uh, Mars. Uh, right. it, it's a combination right. of several things that make it work. Okay. Well, we've got a, about a minute out. Uh, let me just quickly summarize. Uh, today's show is why U.S. and global activities are expanding into space. My guest, of course, is Mr. Hawks Abbott. Uh, Hawks has been uh, on the show several times. He's the leading space uh, thinker, uh, uh, space enthusiast, uh, always thinking about the space challenges. And that's the reason I enjoy our discussions with Hawks. He started off uh, as a Navy aviator and, of course, worked at, at NASA. NASA uh, was uh, instrumental in some of the uh, uh, logistics for the shuttle, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about uh, uh, the Trump signature on the executive order to support moon mining and tap into the asteroid resources. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You 
are listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back. Welcome back, folks. This is Jose Negron, and I'm your host for T3 Today, Tomorrow's Technology. Our subject today is why U.S. and global activities are expanding in space. And what I wanted to come back to and and talk about, uh, President Trump uh, signed an executive order on the 6th of April. Uh, The order established U.S. policy on the exploration of off-Earth resources. Uh, The policy really is part of the a current regu- regulatory uh, regime of allowing the use of those resources on Earth. Uh, but uh, more importantly, I guess there was a 1967 Outer Space Treaty that uh, said, hey, we need to share, share alike. And, and of course, uh, there, uh, the U.S. Uh, has not signed the 1979 Moon Treaty because it stipulates that the non-scientific use of space resource be governed by the international regulatory framework. So there's always contention on the use of space. Uh, we've established space as a, a military domain this past year. Uh, we're looking at uh, various activities in space. But more importantly, uh, what I'd like to focus on right now is the commercial exploration of space. And then eventually in the third period, we'll talk a little bit about the military domain. But, uh, Hawks, as we continue our discussion, why U.S. and global activities are expanding, why is the president uh, executive order so important for right now for the commercial companies? Well, it, uh, it's about competition again. Uh, uh, president Kennedy alluded to that in 1962. Um, it, it wasn't only to to uh, be able to loft uh, uh, missiles up into the atmosphere and into space and have them come down on on uh, Earth again, but it was also about going somewhere first. And in this in his case, it was with the Russians and going to the moon. But for President Trump, it is the issue of getting out there and commercializing. Um, the process uh, of the humanity moving to the solar system and being able to afford it. So it is uh, uh, the other part of it is that uh, the Earth essentially is a single point failure uh, in the context of humanity. If it went away, then all of humanity would go away. So if we uh, go out into the solar system and habitate the different places that we can habitate, given your aforementioned caution about radiation and um, living conditions uh, of living in space and on different uh, uh, terrestrial surfaces, then we have to be prepared to do those things uh, to allow humanity to live on uh, into the future. And as you explained earlier, um, even though we perceive the solar system as a smaller place uh, to live in uh, for us, it's actually quite large. And and if you uh, look at uh, uh, the speed of light and we're going out, uh, as we've noted in our earlier uh, shows, 
the uh, Voyager spacecraft have just left the heliopause of the solar system and got into true uh, galactic space. And you're, lo- you're talking about one light year, six trillion miles. My goodness. Uh, the, the space, uh, the amount of distance just to get into our own solar system is huge. And that's why we have to uh, uh, come up with technologies to send us uh, deeper, faster into the realm of our own solar system and then on into the galaxy. Yeah, that's one of the things that I always marvel and uh, are amazed and and. Uh, I don't know, uh, I've got a wow factor, is just a distance into space. I mean, I'm sitting here looking as you were talking to, uh, you know, we've got Voyager 1. Uh, it's uh, it's the most distant spacecraft uh, from a human uh, development that has been launched into outer space. And, uh, you know, it's approximately uh, about 125 uh uh, astronomic unit and an, one astronomic unit is 93 million miles that's from the sun to the earth and it's 125 AUs away so it's I can't even fathom those uh, those uh, numbers uh, you know when I look at the Milky Way it's supposed to have billions of stars and the word billions is uh, is pretty impressive but the get back to uh, President Trump signing this uh, executive order, uh, making, uh, you know, the U.S. has kind of changed a little bit of directions as I read it, maybe maybe not as much as I think it is, but the uh, United States does not view space as a, a global commons. Uh, it sees a clear path of uh, earth mining without any further international treaty uh, level agreements. Uh, do you kind of concur with that, or is that a change in policy? What do you think? Well, we, the United States never signed the original treaty because uh, the, uh, again, the commercialization of going outward uh, has to be part of the process uh, to be able to afford it. We can't take all the resources from Earth uh, and, and, not, and, and to not go forward into the solar system. Uh, we have to take advantage of the resources of the moon uh, and uh, possibly other asteroids such as Psyche 16. Uh, um, this mission that NASA has planned for 2022 uh, to go look at uh, Psyche 16 and confirm what the robotic instrumentations of different satellites have told us and, and uh, uh, the Hubble Space Telescope uh, uh, telling us about different things about asteroids and meteorites, uh, meteoroids that are uh, contained in the Oort cloud uh, out beyond Mars and between Mars and Jupiter. All these different things that we do not understand yet, even though um, we have sent all these different satellites to the, um, to the outer planets of the solar system. We still don't understand many of the functions that go on that control their uh, orbital uh, uh, makeup uh, and uh, the uh, true uh, numbers of the moons. I I can't believe that there are dozens and dozens of moons around Jupiter that we've never even uh, taken pictures of yet. Um, So it's... uh, I think it's a quandary to realize that there is so much out there for us to do and understand 
that we have a hard time sometimes picking first, second, third of what we need to go do. Yeah, you're correct. And the uh, discovery between or the challenge between human spaceflight versus, uh, uh, um, um, I guess, rockets or, uh, or shuttles, uh, unmanned shuttles, is also critical. And that discovery is always a challenge to balance the right issues between man-made and uh, unman-made aircraft. But let me just switch uh, real quick to something I wanted to talk about, and that is uh, uh, the the dollars, the commercialization of space. Uh, You know, NASA initiated a four-phase approach uh, on the commercial crew development program, and that brought in the commercial companies, and that was critical for the uh, uh, production uh, and the merger of uh, space exploration with the commercial companies. And you've got uh, Boeing out there. You have uh, SpaceX out there. You've got Virgin Galactica, just from a U.S. perspective. And and those are critical. But that that industry is estimated at uh, $414 billion of space assets. Uh, Just commercial infrastructure is uh, 24% of that. Commercial space products is another 55% of that. Uh, government space budget is 11%, and then, of course, non-U.S. government budget. So there's a lot of funding going into the space program, and it is critical that uh, we continue that path if we're going to uh, – you know, habitat, uh, the moon first, and then, of course, uh, uh, Mars. As we talk about the moon, what do you, what's your expectation on that? Uh, uh, well, it's going to be in 2024. That's four years from now when we actually set down on the moon after so many years, over 50-plus years. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it uh, since uh, – uh, 1972, the last mission, uh, Apollo 17, with uh, uh, Gene Cernan and Harrison Smith and Al Warden uh, uh, as the crew, uh, we sit there and realize that we should have made an outpost on the moon sooner, faster, better. We would have learned so much more. Um, But the political will wasn't there. And now... uh, President Trump has put it in front of us, the political will to do it, and in the context of uh, commercial outfits helping NASA uh, divine out path forward, um, not only for, um, you know, a, a permanent or semi-permanent emplacement of a community on uh, the moon, uh, developing uh uh, propellants and, and, and covering how we would habitate the moon in an appropriate manner, um, and then how, how we plan to uh, go to Mars as, uh, as a, uh, uh, the next step for uh, man, man and uh, humankind to go forward. Um, and as you earlier suggested, um, um, Back to the point that uh, Earth is a single point failure point. If a huge asteroid hit the Earth in our somewhere in our future, uh, then the only the other populated places like the Moon or Mars would be the the survival of uh, humanity. So, I think the thinking on 
the commercialization has made it more robust instead of a, uh, a state-sponsored capability. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in that. The, uh, of course, the uh, Artemis project, which is landing the two astronauts by 2024 uh, and sustain a, a human presence there, is going to be critical. And then, of course, uh, moving on to really sustainment for the next uh, 2028 uh, time frame is, is critical. Uh, I, I'm just amazed every time I read something in space, I, I learn something new and the critical thing, really, as we launch into uh, uh, the, this year, 2020 is going to be a critical year, especially in the summertime, as uh, between July and August, uh, four different space agencies are gearing up to launch missions to the Mar- uh, to Mars. But the critical thing is that every 2.2 years, the launch window between the Earth and Mars is closer, and uh, it's called the uh, Holman Transfer Journey, uh, which is interesting because uh, um, why travel? more distance into uh, into uh, for Mars to get to Mars if uh, you can align the planets a little bit closer. That was kind of interesting to me. But uh, more importantly, you know, as I said, uh, you've got the European ExoMars uh, Ro- Rosalind Franklin uh, rover that's going to be launched uh, sometime in the midsummer. You've got the NASA Mars 220 mission uh, heading to uh, Mars. You've got the Chinese Mars mission headed to Mars. So you've got the uh, UAE Space Agency Hope spacecraft uh, moving towards Mars. So there's a lot of activity moving towards Mars. But the commercial human flight is also critical. And, you know, as I stated uh, earlier, we've had some, uh, I guess, setbacks on the space test uh, flight for the Crew Dragon uh, that uh, had uh, misfortune blowing up at the uh, pad. You've got the Boeing Star, uh, Starliner capsule that had a timing issue and therefore didn't reach its objective. But those things are moving forward. Virgin Galactica, the space uh, ship of two, uh, you know, um, I guess selling tickets for people who want to go into space very quickly, somewhere between $200,000 to $250,000. Uh, uh, and so those are all interesting uh, uh, components of the space uh, um, race, if you want to call it, from a commercial uh, perspective. Uh, you know, you even have uh, Blue Origin from uh, Jeff Bezos uh, company uh, setting up some milestones to uh, get new uh, flights into space and go into suborbital flights. So all these things are happening. I, I, I can't remember right now, but even the, the Hubble space, uh, um, what, what's, what would you call it? The Hubble uh, uh, camera is what I call it, uh, uh, Hawks. What do you call the Hubble? Uh, well, the space telescope. 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 Mostly an EIR telescope that has some other uh, wavelengths that does look at. Uh, but there's a new one coming forward that's even going to be uh, more remarkable as it uh, um, uh, flies here in the not-too-distant future. I've forgotten the date. Uh, but uh, uh, what, has, what has Hubble shown us of our own galaxy is just phenomenal. And, and in the, as Carl Sagan would uh, say, billions and billions of stars in our own galaxy alone. Uh, somebody mentioned a hundred billion stars alone in the Milky Way, and that doesn't cover the other three galaxies close to us, such as the Andromeda Galaxy. 
Um, I'd like to point out that in planning for space, you know, there's always three elements included. The space element, which includes the mission and data relay satellites, the terrestrial element, which includes all our supporting ground facilities, and then ultimately um, the link element that provides all the comms back and forth between those elements in space, the ground elements, and uh, the control elements. <clears throat> One of the things I'd like to point out about that, in developing all those elements, we have to be uh, coordinated uh, to advance our understanding of the solar system and the universe. Uh, we have to do it in such a manner that, uh, in our case, that commercializes our ability to go forward. Um, so that's part of the reason why we want to do space mining, um, not only on the moon and Mars, but all these asteroids, including Psyche 16, so that we can pay for the program and not leech off of everything that uh, is uh, Earth-based. Um, we I, have about 30 seconds to, here. Uh, Hawks, let me just summarize what we've done so far. Uh, folks, we've been talking uh, to Hawks Abbott, uh, space enthusiast and, and really a leading strategist on space challenges. Uh, the subject today is why U.S. and global activities are expanding in space. We've been talking about the commercialization of space, the the um, the importance of NASA play in bringing in commercial companies and providing that. We've talked about uh, several of space, SpaceX, uh, uh, the uh, Bezo company, and other companies that are important into uh, into launching the, the capsules into space. But when we come back in the third period, I want to talk about the uh, possibly the militarization of space or other activities of space uh, that from a military perspective, why should we have a little caution there? So we'll be right back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune into All Rise, the Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are listening to today tomorrow's technologies to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to today, tomorrow's technologies at gmail.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, folks. We're back to our third segment on T3, why U.S. and global activities are expanding into space. Our guest today is Bruce Abbott. And Hawks Abbott is a former Navy aviator and worked at NASA for many years. I consider him a mastermind in space, space activities, and space challenges. And more importantly, uh, Hawks has always been up front in talking about uh, space uh, challenges. Right now, the uh, critical aspect of space uh, has been uh, uh, both a government and commercial partnership. But it recently, in the last two years, uh, uh, we're using or looking at space in a military manner. So the question now comes back is, uh, from a military perspective or activities in space, why is space so important for the military? And I'll just throw that question out to you, Hawks. Well, it's because we're going to protect uh, the American economy and the way we do business. if you can imagine the explosion of knowledge associated with the Hubble telescope and now with the construction of different things on the ISS, both chemically and metallurgically that are going on in the experimentation uh, on the space station, uh, what happens then is, uh, is we've got to protect to those capabilities and <clears throat> With the new standup of the U.S. Space Command and the U.S. Space Force, um, our, our space capabilities are integral to how we perceive the protection of the way we do business, uh, particularly in the United States. Um, the, uh, the antagonism of adversaries um, who do not like our supremacy uh, in space um, have developed many anti-space capabilities. They want to possibly shoot down our satellites. They want to uh, interfere with our uh, uh, global positioning system. They want to interfere with our uh, throughput of information provided by uh, communication satellites. Um, and therefore, uh, we are on the road to keep those uh, capabilities safe, and uh, not only for our economic reasons and the stability of the United States and the world, but to protect, uh, to protect those assets in orbit that facilitate uh, the way we do economics. Um, uh, a- access to space is, is for providing us uh, weather observations and the ability to exchange commodities at the speed of light because we uh, you know, put our credit card uh, in a uh, um, uh, payment modality in India or uh, in uh, Singapore or in Hawaii, and it immediately registrates the fact that we've purchased something there and, and uh 
it's been moved around the world and uh, already uh, documented uh, in uh, uh, downtown USA. Um, there are also many other things coming forward, such as small satellites and, and the ability that nobody is not under scrutiny worldwide because we image uh, so many uh, ground locations uh, every day. And so um, in order to protect our way of life and the way we do business, uh, the military has gone to space. What's really interesting is uh, uh, the types of satellites that we've always used uh, and the military is at the forefront, whether that's weather, communication, navigation, uh, other types of satellite for uh, surveillance and warning of uh, nuclear uh, activities. So it's always been a, uh, either a, pro- a positive or a, or a con, pro or con activity, depending on what side of the fence you sit. So the question is, how do we keep uh, space uh, neutral? And that's going to be a big question. But I think uh, the race to the moon, the race to Mars, the race to uh, explore asteroids and bring the minerals back, and that capability is going to continue to grow. And the militarization of space with the president uh, starting off the U.S. Space Force, uh, I mean, that's going to change a little bit of our own lifestyle. Any comments on the Space Force and where we're headed with that? Well, in order to protect the way uh, we do life here in the United States, uh, and particularly the the openness of the economies that are provided by using space assets, uh, primarily GPS, uh, communication systems, and sometimes... uh, um, reconnaissance and, and uh, uh, listening systems um, that the U.S. has, we have to protect those assets. There, there are tens of billions of dollars invested by the United States uh, uh, paying pub- public that uh, make our lives viable the way we've lived in the last 50 years. Uh, so, uh, yes. We, we have to do this in order to protect our way of life, but we can also do it in a manner that is peaceful and, and uh, uh, maintaining uh, the ability to be the leaders and have some um, understanding worldwide that we are staying the leaders in space. I do want to bring back the audience. Uh, we've talked about the Hubble uh, telescope and the importance, and of course, its replacement will be uh, the uh, 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 right now. It's going to be the Webb uh, um, um, replacement. Um, uh, so it's kind of interesting that the uh, Webb uh, telescope that's going to replace the Hubble t- uh, telescope, and it's not a total replacement because they they look at the. Uh, the view, the wavelengths in different uh, spectrums. So the uh, Webb telescope is uh, not a total replacement for Hubble, but the, uh, the Webb uh, instrument will work primarily in the infrared range of the electronic magnetic spectrum and some of the capability in the visible range. Uh, and it's the difference between where where each of the uh, telescopes are looking at. So it's not a total replacement, but the magnitude and the visibility is four times uh, greater uh, from the Webb. Uh, James Webb's telescope uh, replacement of the Hubble. So it's interesting as I look at the Hubble 
uh, uh, telescope that's been, as you said, uh, has been critical because the James Webb uh, Space Telescope will continue to do scientific research as well as the Hubble uh, Telescope just in a different uh, spectrum of the electronic magnetic uh, uh, spectrum. Any comments on that uh, before we change subjects there, Hawks? Well, I, the Hubble has been magnificent uh, through its uh, lifetime. Uh, I, I can't believe it's been up there so long. But in between, there was the uh, Kepler space mission, and it has it has found up to 40 billion Earth-sized planets in the Milky Way alone that are in the habitable zone. So there's plenty of space in our own galaxy uh, for future uh uh, visitation by humans um, and uh, the new Webb Space Telescope will even refine and define new venues new venues for humans to go to the problem is the distances involved uh, as you have noted everything is so incredibly far away and space is probably the true vacuum and even with uh, solar particle events and galactic cosmic rays, there is a long way to go. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at and as uh, I'm smiling because of the different satellites. But uh, more impressively, as I said earlier, uh, tomorrow or uh, the uh, SpaceX is launching its sixth uh, set of 60 satellites uh, to establish the Internet. Uh, so these satellites are going up. They're trying to build a 700 satellite constellations. That's pretty mind-boggling to me as I look at that. But uh, more importantly, you know, there's uh, 13 major countries that have built rockets and launched into orbit. Uh, and then, of course, there's the six space agencies. So the countries, just uh, for, uh, for the audience who We've got China, European, Iranian, Israelis, Italian, Korea, uh, both in North Korea and South Korea. you got the Indian uh, space research, Japanese. Uh, you've got the United States. you got France, Ukraine, and Russia. So these are the 13 major countries that have launched stuff into space. And then, of course, the six space agencies that we all have grown to uh, uh, at least listen to and, uh, and hear about are the Chinese National Space Agency, the European Space Agency, the Indian Space Research Organization, the Japanese Space Agency, the U.S. Uh, uh, Space Agency, and of course the Russian Space Agency. So these are all—they're um, uh, going to come strong. I mean, uh, we had uh, almost 72 orbital launches uh, in 2018. Uh, that grew, and and when you take a look at uh, these launches in China, Russia, India, Japan, French New Guinea, New Zealand, U.S., you think about where the disparity. Uh, diversity of these countries are on the globe and why are they launching uh, you know satellites so and we've talked about the various satellites uh, there uh, one comment I will make uh, you know the Sun is about one one of the 200 billion stars in the Milky Way uh, uh, Hawks and it, the word billion to me is, is scary uh, it's a it's a number I don't understand most people can't even phantom and it, that is incredible but the distance you know uh, between uh, the Sun and uh, and Earth is 93 uh, million miles so those are the things that you need to talk about we've talked already about uh, three three-day travel to the moon versus a uh, three-year travel to uh, Mars so those 
those are the, those are the kind of uh, distances that we're talking about if anything happens. So let let me switch real quick. Uh, let's talk about the president's executive order, uh, the minerals. Uh, there is. Uh, Later on this year, I believe in July, there is uh, we're headed to two asteroids, uh, yeah, one in July and one in December for a mining expedition to see what we can. So to me, that would be the first time and uh, maybe uh, not, but uh, uh, the first time we've actually landed and tried to uh, mine or get scientific knowledge uh, information uh, back from an asteroid. Am I correct on that, uh, Hawks, or has there been others? Uh, there's actually been a landing on a, uh, on an asteroid um, uh, oh, yes. that was accomplished about six years ago. The uh, experimentation on the satellite uh, gave us a whole lot of data that I think is even being still looked at. Um, it's interesting that as we go back uh, to even the first year of the Trump administration, I think it was December of 2017, that he laid out new directives for uh, uh, going back to Moon and Mars and, and re-energizing um, space exploration across the board. Um, Norm Augustine, uh, back in 1986, put out the book called Pioneering the Space Frontier, and then Tom Stafford uh, and George Abbey put out a document called America at the Threshold in 1990, which were both uh, uh, products of, of looking at how do we go further into the solar system, um, both in a uh, civil and uh, peace-faring nation capability as well as understanding uh how the form of exploration should be for us. Um, and I think President Trump's administration has stepped out, uh, leading back to comments that uh, uh, were stated by President Kennedy in 1962. We have to be uh, leaders in this country of going forward and, and pushing humanity into the solar system and into the Milky Way. Okay, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, let me just say, uh, you know, the topic today was uh, talking about why U.S. and global activities are expanding into space. And let, let's just say uh, we're looking at new technologies and research. We're looking at colonization. We're looking at space mining. And more importantly, we're looking at exploration. So I'd just like to thank the audience. I'd like to thank you, Hawks, for uh, being with me today to talk about space, why U.S. and global activities are expanding in space. I'd like to make a shout out to uh, D. Daniels, my executive producer, and of course my executive assistant, Alexander Loreno. We'll come back on in the following weeks and talk about more technology. This is your host, Jose Negrone, talking about uh, new technologies, how they impact your life, and how do we use th that technology to improve our lifestyle. So uh, I bid you good well. Uh, take care, have a good one, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Today, Tomorrow's Technologies. We hope you'll join your host, Jose Negron, for another exciting program next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Enjoy the rest of your week.